0: Hey love, how you doing? I hope you're well and welcome to the Light of Speed podcast where we shed light on the goodness within and the goodness of others by becoming our authentic selves so that we can shine. I am your host, Dr. Felicia Speed, a life coach and social worker. I want to continue our conversation around shedding light on love. Ah, Love is so beautiful, and the more I read, the more I saw, the more I heard, and the more I wanted to share. Did you know it has been estimated that more than a hundred million love songs have been recorded? That's not counting all the ones that's on little sheets of paper that just never got produced. Woo, that's a lot of love, <laughs> but what does it really mean? I guess you know to me, it just means that. We're always looking for a way to express the love that we had, the love that we have, or the love that we lost, or the love that we won't. You know, it's always we're wanting to express the heartbreak or the fact that our hearts are full of bliss. Well, when I think about the language of love, it really made me remember this book by Dr. Gary Chapman that he wrote back in 1992 about the five love languages. Now, this book was designed to focus on marriage, family, and relationships by understanding our loved one's love language. And we got to choose from a list of quality time, affirmation, physical touch, gifts, and acts of service. Now, I remember when I first took this quiz and I learned that my number one was quality time and 30 years later, my number one is still quality time. Now, even though I like to sprinkle in some acts of service, because, honey, as I get older, there is nothing like having someone take out the trash Mm. That just warms my heart, but I can also get used to a little physical touch. I ain't talking about somebody rubbing all over me, but really, seriously, due to COVID, I realized what a good hug can do for your girl. You know, the one that they hold you for a long time and it's a warm embrace and you can just feel the love spilling out over onto you. Even my three-year-old nephew knows that I love a good hug. But at the end of the day, there is nothing like quality time for me. According to Dr. Chapman, quality time is being mentally present when you are with them, making plans to explore new places, having uninterrupted time, creating small moments to connect, Quality and deep conversation. That is quality time. And you know what? This past week, I was with a good friend and we took a quick trip to Asheville just to ride and look at mountains, not a true destination per se. But my favorite part was the good conversation from our discussion of spirituality to politics, to the good food, to sharing memories about growing up in the country in the woods, (laughs) But then I got to thinking yesterday, I need to make sure I have quality time with myself as well. All three of us, me, myself, and I, (laughs) we could use some uninterrupted time with ourselves. So yesterday, I laid across my bed and I found me a good movie and then I fell asleep in the first five minutes. Now, yes, I missed most of the movie, but that was some good sleep. Then I got up, I fixed myself a good meal while I was listening to some music. Oh, we had such a wonderful time. We could use a good conversation among ourselves. Yes, you are correct. I talk to myself and I answer. Felicia is always having to encourage Fifi to be kind and patient. (laughs) But it got even better because then my family came down and we sat around the table to eat and laugh. So I got to have quality time with myself and others. Why is that so important? Well, Maya Angelou said, I do not trust people who don't love themselves and get to tell me I love you. There's an African saying, which is be careful when a naked person offers you a shirt. So you can't try to offer me something that you don't already have for yourself. The truth that resides in loving your neighbor as yourself rings true now than ever before. When it says as yourself, it means It's used in comparison to refer to the extent or degree of something. See, I should be able to compare or to the extent how you love yourself to know how you will love me. What does that mean? When you value yourself then I know you're going to value me. Now I know people are always worried about everybody being narcissistic and selfish. And I get that to me, even those people don't truly value themselves or know their worth. So then they don't know how to value me. Most people who operate from a sense of selfishness and narcissism work from a place of insecurity. But when you're securing yourself because you know your worth, not that I'm better than anyone, But just because I know what I have been created to do, I know what I have to give. I know the wonderful attributes of myself, and I love that about myself, that I can turn around and see the strength and the attributes in you. So yes, I need you to be able to love yourself or don't try to give me a a shirt when you naked. I need you to clothe yourself and then you can turn around and clothe me. I often say, fill your own cup first and nourish others from the overflow. Now, so what does it really mean to love your neighbor as yourself? That's a question I want you to think about. Are you loving yourself as much as you love your neighbor? Because the more you love yourself, the more you can love your neighbor. Just think about it, and we'll chat after this quick break. Welcome back, and let's continue our conversation on shedding light on love. Now, the previous episodes, I talked about love is patient, love is kind. I talked about what love is, but today, I want to talk about what love is not. Love is not jealous, it does not brag, it's not proud, love is not rude, it's not selfish. Love doesn't hold a record of wrong. It is never happy when others do wrong and it never gives up on people. It never stops trusting or losing hope. Love never quits and love never ends. Now, as far as I know, that's a whole lot of nevers (laughs) and I cannot cover all of these in one episode. So I'm just going to focus on one, love holds no record of wrong. That's a big one for me. Because when I think of records, I think about how we keep and we're keeping full records and files of all the things a person has done wrong to us or even others. And some of us got more file cabinets than the FBI and the IRS combined. I mean, we hold these records to ensure that we don't forget what they did and they don't forget what they did. I don't care if it's been five, 10, 15 years ago, or even just yesterday. Some of us are so afraid that we will forget what they did, that we've even upgraded and we have digitized them. Like we've transferred them to OneDrive's and Cloud's. Well, I'm here to tell you, that's not love. See records are designed to keep things permanent, to maintain evidence. So since all these records are stored in our mind, we tend to want to say them out loud from time to time, you know, just tell somebody about what this person did because we want to ensure they remain permanent. It's our memory. And that's why I've really struggled for many years because I was like, wait a minute. I was created with memory. I was created to not forget things, but you don't want me to hold a record. But then I realized it's not the event. It's not the action. It's not the behavior. It's not the person. It's not the words that were spoken. It's my perspective of those things. It's still a record, but I have to move it from the record of wrongs to the record of lessons learned. What that means is at some point, you got to do some purging out of this file cabinet. The file cabinet labeled record of wrongs, and we need to move it into the new file cabinet, lessons learned. So I still remember what I did and what the, wrong, what the person did. But now when I think of it, it's not the wrong I remember. It's the lesson learned. Many years ago, a close friend of mine said something to me that hurt me to my core. And it may seem very simple to you, but they told me I was boring. And from that moment, that statement really impacted me in so many ways that at times I found myself isolating from people because I began to tell myself I was boring. I was like, well, if I'm so boring, why would people even want to be around me? Because I'm not exciting. And, you know, I don't do all these, you know, spontaneous things because I'm boring. But then I realized I need to move this from the record of wrongs to the lesson learned. And what did I learn? At first, you would think I learned that people just need to take me as I am, which is true. But actually, I also learned that the people I hold dear, I am intentional on finding out what they enjoy doing and looking for opportunities to do it with them. So I look for people to be in my life who enjoy what I'm doing, which may be deemed boring to them, And I enjoy what they doing, which may sometimes just be too much for me. Let me give you an example. Two years ago, I went to Miami with some friends for my birthday and honey, they wanted to sit on the beach. Did you know that the beach was outside with the sun? The sun, I say, but I knew this is what they enjoyed. So that's what I did. They also knew I didn't want to be out there. So they rented this beautiful umbrella and kept me cool as possible to the point that when the sun would move, they, we would shift seats. So I would receive less sun. That's the love. (laughs) That's the love I had from them. And that's the love they were showing me. Now I could have stayed in that hotel and looked out the window at the water in complete contentment, but I learned that lesson. In that moment, when that person told me I was boring, it was more than just pointing out my weaknesses or defects of how they saw me, but it was more about, I wasn't willing to do some things they enjoyed as well. So it was a lesson learned. And believe it or not, I had myself a ball. I enjoyed out there for a few hours, but then after a while, now it was time to go on the inside. Now we all not only think about records when we're thinking about file cabinets, but also about vinyl records. Oh, you remember back in the day, (laughs) the vinyl records were like the vinyl music records or albums. Now I'm dating myself, but yes, I lived during the era of vinyl records and cassette tapes. And see, you could take a cassette tape, stick tissue on the top to record over what was there, but a record, you can't do that. It's permanent, just like we do with records of wrong. But even worse, if you scratch the record, it could have a skip and be on repeat forever. And that is how our thoughts are when we hold records of wrong. We put our thoughts on repeat concerning that action done or those words spoken. And in the psychology world, we call that rumination when we have thoughts on repeat. Those repetitive thoughts of affects our feelings and our mood and ultimately affects our behavior. So if every time I see that person, I pull up the record of what they did and where they scratched or hurt me, a statement will be on repeat they hurt me. They disappointed me. They rejected me. And guess what happens? It affects my behavior and it can be subtle. Like I just might roll my eyes or get quiet and stop talking when they come into the room, take deep, long breaths. I may even get up and walk out of the room because I don't even want to breathe that air. Now, what we do to fix a scratch record is very interesting If you have a vinyl record that's scratched, you're going to take some time and put some alcohol on a cotton ball to smooth it out. Or you're going to put a nickel on the needle so that when it gets to that scratched part on the record, it can run right over it. See, we can learn from this. We can let talking it out with a person or writing it out with a person or even getting therapy to be like that cotton ball. Or with the nickel, we can just change the thought again, moving it from the record of wrong to the lesson learned. So that when I see that person, I remember what I was taught, not just what they did. Because see, love holds no record of wrong. Love forgives. Love heals. And how do I know this? Because even in medicine news today, It talks about how when we love, it increases life expectancy. It maintains a healthy heart. It lowers blood pressure. It reduces anxiety. It lessens pain. So what does that mean for us? That means it's not good when we hold records of wrong. It's time for us to shift those things into the lessons learned so that we can live a better, fulfilling life. It's time to let some things go. It's time to get that cotton ball. It's time to change some thoughts. And that is shedding light on love. As you think about it this week, think about who do you need to forgive? Where do you need love to heal? What records do you need to purge or shift from the record of wrong to the record of of lessons learned. Think about it this week, because I want you to be full of the love that is available to you. We want to be able to recognize the barriers so that we can leap over hurdles and, you know, jump over fences and knock down walls. Love is worth it and you are worth it. Well, that's all we have time for today. And we will pick up next week on Wisdom Wednesday with a new episode. But I encourage you to, encourage others to join our journey by subscribing in whatever platform they use, such as Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Captivate. Also, The Light of Speed can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where I share weekly inspirations to compel us to grow. I would love to hear from you, so please join and inbox me on the Light of Speed Facebook page. Special thanks to the Light of Speed team, Captivate, and music by It's What All by Pixabay. Until next time, keep shining.